In this episode, we interview Chad Johnson from Heighten. Heighten is a revolutionary technology company whose patent pending shake and vibrate technology is hoping to disrupt the solventless extraction market. So we interviewed Chad at MJ BizCon. Let's get into the green room. Here with Chad Johnson, the CEO and founder of Heighten. Hi, Chad. How are you doing? Fantastic. How are you? Good. We're here at MJ BizCon in Las Vegas, and we're kind of rolling around the convention center. And um, Chad, you guys are exhibiting this year, so tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing with Heighten. Um, lots of stuff. Um, <laughs> we are uh, a, a younger company. Um, we are bringing to market a shaken vibrate technology. Uh, interestingly enough, that was invented in my garage. If you could get any more cliche. Uh-huh. Garage uh, startup. I got it. Very much garage startup. Uh, bootstrapped some suburban dads. Uh-huh. Made the dream happen. <laughs> um, and we are expoing um, our consumer sifter and for the first time ever, our pro sifter okay. um, for the commercial market. So I know I, I jumped the gun a little bit because we were going to talk a little bit about um, your journey first. So tell us a little bit about like how you got into cannabis. What brought you into it personally? Great question. Uh, like everyone else, I had your typical story of I tried cannabis once or twice from a, from a friend and it was the wrong strain for me and it's not a good experience and therefore all cannabis is bad. Right. Um, fast forward a few years uh, back in 2015 at Christmas time, um, I was introduced to a vape pen from California and it just so happened to be the right strain for me. Mm-hmm. And in an instant, um, for the first time ever, my anxiety melted away. Oh, you were mentioning that you're a medical patient. Right? I am a medical patient. Mm-hmm. Um, I have um, generalized anxiety disorder, which at the time, years ago, I was still trying to figure out kind of, okay, things aren't it? working. It's like I went through PTSD. I went through all these different things. But in that day, in that moment, the NASCAR track in my head for the first time in my life turned off. Mm-hmm. And it was unbelievable because I got to really enjoy Christmas and the holidays with my family. And after that, I was like, okay, there's more to cannabis than I understand. So I started on YouTube and I pulled up a PBS documentary, um, The Science of Cannabis. And I was absolutely fascinated by the documentary and some of the not so true truths that we've come to believe about cannabis that aren't aren't quite so true. Um, And it just sent me down a rabbit hole of curiosity. And um, fast forward my consumption. So part of my background prior to cannabis, I actually um, um, was uh, an Ironman distance triathlete. Okay. So I'm somewhat of an extremist personality. And Uh hey, if a little bit is good, a lot must be better. (laughs) So I'm very quick to find that third rail and touch it before I find my way back to the middle. So my consumption without the proper guidance and someone that really knew what they were doing went up a lot faster than it should have. And Uh it quickly got me to, wait, what's this little thing called Keef? Uh-huh. And I started playing with that and I realized I'm like, oh, this is really great. And then my taste for it went up and up and up. Right. And I started just making it because you can't buy it at dispensaries. And I had, I knew so little about cannabis. I didn't know that you could actually buy a hand sifter box. I, I made okay. it. I went to Michael's, I bought silk, <laughs> um, Ziploc container, and I made it by hand. Uh-huh. And um, from my days of Ironman training, 
I have holes in both my rotator cuffs. And I was, um, so to sit there and go back and forth for any extent oh, of yeah. time, it's really painful. Yeah. And I was going back and forth one night and I'm like, ah, my shoulder really hurts. Um, and in that, in let me rub some on it. <laughs> uh, yeah. In, in that, in that very moment, it, it happened exactly like this went, I bet there's a way you could automate this. And then my 20 years of marketing experience kicked in and I went, I bet a lot of people have this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just sent me down the rabbit hole. And I called up, um, some people from my team and said, Hey, Hey guys, can I have this idea? Do you think you could make this work? Mm -hmm. And that was five years and eight generations of the consumer prototype. Oh, wow. um, To get to market. And the pro one, uh, we are debuting first generation. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the great thing I love about interviewing people in the cannabis industry. Half of them, well, I don't know about half, but like half of them are, you know, they they come to it with like, oh, I tried it in my youth. I loved it. I, I went with it. And then the other half found it solved a huge problem in their life. And then I would say, I guess it's thirds. I guess the last third would be, you know, they're advocating for someone that they love and that yeah. person's in the industry and or they need to use it for medicinal purposes or personal reasons. And I think like, um, we just see so many passionate people about it that like solving your own problem is like the first step. Now, I don't know about much about the sifting industry. So like, tell me like, like what kind of competition do you have? What kind of demand is there for what you're doing? And like, what can you actually like net out of it? From, from doing what you guys do? It's a good question. So typically when we think about competition, it's your typical tumblers um, that are out there. Um, Pollen Master um, is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Bubble Hash. So using water for extraction, these are pretty um, universally used techniques. Right. Um, and then you've got hand sifter boxes. So manual, which is what I ran up against. Um, the interesting thing and in what makes us really different um, not necessarily better or worse, but just different than those guys is our shake and vibrate technology. <laughs> and really at core, you know, Heighten is a technology company and we just happen to be applying this technology to hemp and cannabis first. Yeah. And the difference of why you get such clean sift so quickly is because the combination of motion and vibration is bound, are bouncing the buds on the screen and knocking the keep off where in tumblers, it's rubbing it and you're putting much more volume in um, and it's, you know, taking quite a bit of time. Um, And that one was really, I think, designed for commercial and has been somewhat adopted by consumers to a degree. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we started with a a short video, so you should have seen it at the very beginning. And now, you know, we saw an opportunity in the consumer market of, hey, people want to have more control over their experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, and we saw an opportunity of if you take that that barrier barrier out of effort of like, hey, with the tumblers, it's great if you have a lot of high volume, but if you don't, it's not not as convenient, not necessarily the right solution. For Bubble, 
the, the people that are using it, bless them. You have to be really passionate about your craft. <laughs> like that is, a, it's absolutely amazing. And getting to absolutely full melt hash is unbelievable. You know, there's a lot of people out there that like, you know, the, the five star, you know, four star Michelin meals, mm-hmm. but you know what? I'm, I'm perfectly good with McDonald's from time to time. Yeah. So this is where Heighten comes in and fills a gap of, hey, we can help create and, you know, uh, create these new experiences um, by simplifying, essentially democratizing the extraction process so you can get world-class teeth. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is is um, the motion and the vibration is not much different than um, like Afghani style of extraction that's been going on for thousands of years by hand. Oh, interesting. All we've done is automate the process. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you brought something up earlier when our previous conversation, like before we started, um, and we were talking about craft brewing and regular brewing. And, and this conversation actually comes up a lot in, in my interviews is that we kind of end up talking a lot about the comparisons between you know cannabis and the wine or the alcohol industry and how diverse that alcohol industry has become with craft brews and things like that can you talk a little bit about um what we were talking about before of like you know kind of personalizing your experience but this opportunity to be able to have you know your own craft yeah designer designer cannabis your own yeah. essentially yeah you can make your own designer cannabis mm-hmm. uh to a degree um so really it comes down to what we shared earlier is that insight around kind of control and understanding that people are to a degree afraid of it um <laughs> the um sorry i'm just blanking out for a quick second um really the insight that we saw with cannabis that got us most excited was really cannabis, despite how much pop culture value it has and cachet and, and mystique around it, at its core, it's a commodity. Right. And it can be made very, very cheaply. And we understand with the dot-com boom and with many things throughout history, things often get overvalued and the market crashes. So as someone who's been in marketing for the past 20 years and consumer insights work and really trying to understand consumer behaviors and the most important question of why. Why are they doing the behaviors? Why are they seeking these things out? And we looked for benchmarks. And I think beer was the easy, low-hanging fruit of, hey, you know, because there's so much variety and alcohol and all those things. And then Pops and whatever. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it's, hey, even making custom drinks and things like that. And that's kind of where we started. But we, we went a level deeper than that. And we actually saw similarities to the coffee industry. And this is where that, you know, going a level deeper from product insight to consumer insight behavior, you'll see, you think about coffee, there is a, an audience out there that will drink Maxwell House and Folgers and be perfectly happy with it. And there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. There's another group out there that will only drink $10 drinks from Starbucks. Yeah. The difference the Maxwell House and Folgers are functional consumers where your um, Starbucks is more of your passion. Right. And we're like, okay, there's really something to that. Because if you now translate that to beer, Bud Light, Miller Light are your functionals mm-hmm. that don't understand the passion around drinking craft or let alone making craft at right. home. It's not better or worse. It's just different. And there's an audience for both of them. Mm -hmm. And what we realize is, wait a second, there's really a market. If you look at cannabis, 
hey, again, it started with with beer. Craft brew started with Sam Adams. Mm -hmm. You know, craft coffee started with Howard Schultz. Mm -hmm. Today, when you go into dispensaries, oftentimes you don't see Keith. Um, you don't really see hash. A lot of things are chemically extracted. Again, not right or wrong, but for people looking for for unique experiences and a little different, you know, this is something that we're like, okay, there's really something here of we kind of see where the market is going, but like, wait a second, these extraction equip this extraction equipment um, exists at a commercial level. So they're making products for consumers. Why doesn't someone just help consumers make the products themselves? Right. And that was kind of the whole idea of taking from one industry to the next and how we kind of leapfrog to where we're at. So do you find that this is going to be like on the consumer level, probably pretty niche and then maybe resonate a little bit more with like you were mentioning growers and people that want to, you know, have different product lines. Um, from a from a commercial perspective, we really see our niche as kind of your small to medium sized growers mm -hmm. um, based on, you know, our projected price point and volume. We're projecting over 100 pounds an hour, which is quite a bit more than the competition right now. Um, I think we have a pretty good idea of that market from a grower standpoint. I think from commercially, we see opportunities with um, infusions and edibles. Um, yeah. And even if you go to like California, you start seeing strain specific edibles and things where um, these growers are starting to do solventless extraction. And again, this is where we started learning from from one industry for the other. Um, actually, last year at MJ BizCon, uh, John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods, mm -hmm. spoke and it triggered a light bulb when he started talking. I was like, wait a second, 25, 30 years ago everybody was laughing at the people going to Whole Foods. Yeah. And it was seen as that very niche and, you know, crunchy granola and right. uh, I, whatever I can, you know, today, nobody wants chemicals in their food. Right. So right. the question is for those people that are fine with it, that's great. But for those that don't want chemicals, what options do you have? If again, Keith and hash are not there, you're starting to get to, you know, in the edibles, they're using distillates, which are stripping out the terpenes to degree. Mm -hmm. So this is now a way of having that full experience. Um, and this is what the growers and the processors are really looking to get to the consumers. Um, we also see a big opportunity in the culinary space. Mm -hmm. The val one of the values of sifting and e extracting the keef out is you're removing the chlorophyll, you're removing the leaf matter itself, so that infusion is much cleaner, it's much tastier, it's much more potent, mm -hmm. but it gives you a much cleaner experience. Again, not better, just different. Okay. Um, and we see that translating from a you know commercial culinary to everyday people in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So as we go from that commercial level to the consumer, you're right, out of the gate, it's going to be niche. It's yeah. going to be home growers that have a whole bunch of extra trim and larf that we talked to tons of people like, yeah, I've got a couple pounds of trim sitting around and I don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Or you talk to the guy, it's like, yeah, I process it, but it takes me like, you know, two or three days right. of doing it manually. It's like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like you, that's again, 
that's your hardcore passion people. Yeah. Um, within that subset, those are guys are looking to get to the hash and the stuff that you can't buy at the at the dispensaries. But on the flip side of that, as we look to the next generation of cannabis consumers that are looking again to evolve, we very much I very much believe that um, you know the there's going to be a market where today it's like dinner parties and it's wine and how you pair with wine at some point it's going to be cannabis Mm -hmm. and it's going to be throwing dinner parties for your friends and infusing the food and bringing them on a journey. And we really see this machine as something that honestly we use like kitchen kitchen aid and Breville as brand examples as a foundation for how we designed, you know, solid steel, 23 pounds. It's built like a tank, but you know, and it's about 75 decibels. So as loud as a blender, (laughs) And in seconds, you can have all the keys you need for your recipes. Mm-hmm. So that we see that kind of like the ability to now have it not only on demand, but to be able to kind of now mix and match and make your own creations mm-hmm. is something you've never been able to do before to now really take control and shape how you want to feel. Yeah, I mean, this is really interesting because we get to see a lot of these different, like even, I mean, it's a lot of technology that's going into cannabis now. And I I don't know, what what do you think about, how do you feel about the pandemic and how that affected um, the cannabis industry? I I hear um, some people say that it accelerated it. Some people feel like it kind of put a stop on it, especially with the finance, um, the finance sector. But like, what do you, what is your opinion of like, did that help you? Um, fine-tune what you guys are doing now are you um, upset that you wasted a year at home like you know where where do you stand on that it's a great question so (laughs) starting at the macro level for the industry I personally think it's going to be a few years until we really know how this affected the trajectory of the industry because it's so new. Sure. And I don't want to say it's unprecedented because it's really not. I mean, look at like, you know, you know, Spanish flu in 1918. So things like this have happened before. Um, it's just going to be interesting as far as how quickly it's going to ramp and how much the conversation changes yeah. now that people are out and about. Because, you know, cannabis is really it's a very social um, uh, social plant when consuming. So I think now that people are going to be out and about and mingling, I think, you know, co- conversations are going to start changing a yeah. little bit when, once you get out of the social media vacuum of being locked in your house. Um, from a heightened perspective, um, initially we hated it like everybody else but Mm -hmm. in hindsight like any good entrepreneur we can see the silver lining and where we really benefited from it and i think what it did is it helped us in a in a safer space get a lot more no's Mm -hmm. and tell us where we were wrong um tell us you know what people didn't like about the machine why they weren't going to buy it where the messaging was confusing Mm -hmm. And we just used all of this kind of individual one-on-one communication to keep evolving every single message. The big benefit that it had is, you know, from a marketing standpoint, uh, my partners and I understood coming in, if you lead with commercial, it's going to be very hard as a brand to bridge the gap to consumer mm, um, yeah. once you really establish yourself. So what the pandemic allowed us to do was take the time to really build out the brand foundation, all of the right ways of doing things. And then we just happened to bifurcate that messaging. So it all for so both consumer 
and commercial mm -hmm. can live under that macro umbrella of control over experiences. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. I, I like that. Um, it's a little bit of both then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm so glad you spent your time today with us. Um, There's one other thing I wanted yeah. to touch on that we didn't get to. Yes, please. Yes, yeah, so I would love to. Um, as far as kind of like for me again. So I personally made big fan of Simon Sinek and uh -huh. start with why yeah. and um, infinite game. And to me, so much of this has to have some sort of purpose behind it. And it's my frustration of working marketing for 20 years and working for so many wonderful companies mm -hmm. whose intentions were great, but the actions when it came to actually giving back and doing more often fell short mm -hmm. in realities. And part of my frustration coming in is as I sit here today, someone who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, had a number of other issues over my life that I realized if I had better, better understood cannabis, how different would my life have been? Before, earlier. And yeah. it makes me, because I, my anxiety disorder led me to do things I honestly don't believe I would have done mm -hmm. if I had better understanding and better control over it. Now, this is not cannabis would have solved it. This is, hey, at least it would have been another tool. So where someone was saying, oh, okay, whatever. My takeaway was it made me angry. Yeah. Really, really, really actually just angry that there are so many people suffering unnecessarily and nobody's willing to fund the research at scale because it's very difficult to patent a plant and profit. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea is um, Heighten exists to crowdsource fund cannabis research at a global scale. So the plan is once we get up and running and profitable is to literally start taking profits and directly fund research and then make it publicly available because it's just the right thing to do. And it, when you buy the machine, mm -hmm. Not only are you getting great technology, you're helping get more out of your bud, getting better experiences. Oh, by the way, you're also, you happen to be paying it forward mm -hmm. and helping someone else out too. And that really, that is why after five years of being told no and getting beaten down and having the world against me, including my family at mm -hmm. one point, actually one of my business partners is um, not a consumer and walked away at one point because mm -hmm. he was so passionate on the other end. Mm -hmm. That is why the, the business still exists is to help other people. Well, I mean, I've talked to plenty of researchers that are always looking for funds and it's, it is, it's impossible for them to get the funding that they need. They're, you know, constantly having to justify what they're working on. And it's hard to do that when they haven't been able to work on it long enough and then their funds run out. So this is awesome. It's right. such a great, a uh, really great way to give back to people that you know, have had similar like experiences as you have. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, we talk about in this podcast too, is that, you know, a lot of the people that are coming in here are very passionate, very dedicated. They're like, they're in it to win it. They, they want to see this through. And I think it's such a really cool, volatile time where you can become, I mean, even though it's not the beginning of the cannabis industry, it's kind of the beginning of it the cannabis industry. It's very much the beginning. So like, you know, we, we see, we have, we're learning from people who've been in it 
for a while, but now it's like actually the wheels are turning and, and things are changing and shifting and there's cool technologies that are like allowing experiences to happen in, in so many different ways. So it's mm-hmm. very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate your insight. I, I would love to talk to you a little bit more um, about, you know, just what you guys are expecting here at MJ BizCon this year. And, um, you know, like we were all hidden away last year. So mm-hmm. wh- what, are you, what are you most excited about here at the show today? Honestly, to be in person. Yeah. at the show um we learned you know again one of our learnings last year doing mj bizcon online for as much you know interest as now people were getting in the product when people see it if people haven't seen it and or can't see it in person it it's hard for people to really understand the value because it's not really top of mind for anyone so now being there in person being able to show off the machine and more importantly just talk to people mm-hmm. you know i think that's what's really um exciting and i think the other is the opportunity to learn um, because there's so much to your point so much other great technology out there and you know uh, you know startups and businesses that like I, my hope is there are a ton more guys out in the garage or women out in the garage <laughs> just like me because we are the guys at the show, the really big guys, their worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, that I, I love everything that you're saying. Um, what do you think, um, what, do you, what do you expect out of this show? I mean, obviously you guys are coming, you're launching a new product. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about kind of like um, what your approach is to coming in as a little guy yeah. up against these David David versus Goliath. Yeah. Uh, in, interesting side note, David, David versus Goliath, if anyone's a fan of Malcolm Gladwell, he has a really fascinating theory where actually David was the one that was more favored than Goliath in that fight. It's a fa- it's a fascinating hype theory. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, but it's that whole mentality of yeah. we might be the small, we might be the startup, but we also understand that the patent the, the patent pending technology we have is unlike anything else at the show. Mm-hmm. So one, we'd love to see if there's anything like it. Yeah, and two, having conversations with the right um, potential partners mm-hmm. as we look at, you know, growers and processors. But there's tons of great, you know, distributors, wholesalers, online retailers, brick and mortar retailers would love to talk with the, you know, the exhibitors in the culinary industry and just learn what don't we know that that you know would be great to know one and two how can we help you because yeah. that's the biggest thing that i found from the conversations and the partners that we're working with today it's a mutually beneficial relationship yeah you helps know? innovate the product too exactly yeah. and it's more of you know they um they you know you know, as a, a younger company, and I think there, there's a lot of passion and drive around the startup and the uniqueness, mm-hmm. um, I think, is what is, you know, standing out to um, to other kind of vendors and those in the field. And I think that's really where we hope to get the most out of being in person and, and having those one-to-one conversations. Yeah, I, I'm sure that everyone, despite... Whatever is happening, I, I know like everyone's just happy to be out at this point because it's, yeah. it's pretty obvious that it was about time for people to get back to business, I think. <laughs> Very much so. Well, it's been lovely talking to you. Um, I can't wait to see what else you guys come out with and like how everything works out because I, yeah, I'm sure I, I have a feeling that this is just the beginning, the tip of the iceberg for Heighten and um, we're yeah. looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to come up with next. Yeah.
HeightenSifter.com. HeightenSifter. We'll have all the, everything in the show notes. So um, everyone will be able to find you. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys. The Green Room Podcast is brought to life by Green Seed PR, a cannabis green tech focused PR agency and a dedicated production team of editors, mixers, and showbookers. A huge thank you to the Vessel team for providing their studio for our recordings. Don't forget to subscribe and share the Green Room podcast with friends, colleagues, and family. That way you'll never miss an episode and we can keep the lights on. If you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can also find us on Instagram at GreenseedPR and see the live video versions of all of our podcasts on YouTube. Would you like to be on the guest on the show or do you have a great guest referral? Awesome. Submit your guests at greenseedpr.com slash the hyphen green hyphen room. Thanks for listening and be well.